1: Boogie well, hates racism and Chris Paul, and who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this I, I'm not going to say it, that sounds too good. No, ro- uh, ro- no, no, I no, how no, how no, no, they they no. <laughs> if the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Eurostep Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Ty Windish. I am not joined, as always, by the exceptional Rohan Kadi. Instead, I am joined by Jason Pat and Ricky O'Donnell of the Cash Considerations podcast. We recorded a collab previewing the Bucks-Bulls series. Jason and Ricky do a great job covering the Chicago Bulls, so we broke down the series, some of the key matchups, talking points, do the Bulls really have a shot? You may be surprised to learn that, Jason and Ricky aren't that optimistic about Chicago's chances. Uh, You may not be if you've watched a lot of Bulls or followed them before. But please, please go check out Cash Considerations wherever you listen to the Eurostep, GSPN. Give five stars to both podcasts. Follow Jason and Ricky on Twitter. Uh, And otherwise, you know, enjoy the pod. And thank you so much for listening.
2: Welcome to a special crossover episode of cash considerations and the EuroStep previewing the Milwaukee Bucks series against the Chicago Bulls in a three versus six first round matchup. The Bucks, of course, the defending NBA champions. They feel like the favorite to come out of the East this year once again. And it looks like a very tough matchup for the Bulls, who fell from the top seed in the conference to number six after the All-Star break. Uh, I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm joined as always by Jason Pat, and we are here with Ty Windish of the Eurostep. Ty, how are you? And how are you feeling about your Bucks entering this postseason title defense run?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. Um, you know, I think anytime that you're the reigning champs, you got Giannis on the roster, you're relatively healthy. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to feel good. I had to look actually Walt, during the intro, a great intro. Um. The, the last time the Bucks and Bulls met in the playoffs, they were also the 3-6. I didn't put that together. Obviously, you know, you think about the last matchup now, all the pictures and videos of Giannis uh, absolutely leveling Mike Dunleavy, the the anti-Giannis folks pushing the Giannis as a dirty player agenda for that, which, listen, totally a dirty play. Like, I'm not going to argue you on that. There's obviously obviously no, no place for that in basketball, um, but uh yeah it's 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 kind of fun to do bucks bulls again with now the seedings reversed and i think probably the expectations reversed as well
3: yeah absolutely uh yeah thinking of that series and the way that series ended the bulls beat the bucks by like 54 in that game six and i'm just worried that every game this series is going to end up like that (laughs) from the other way around i don't know if there'll be any like 50 point games but like at this point, yeah, the Bulls season has obviously just ended really poorly. The Bucks are mostly healthy coming in now. Brooke Lopez back. The last two matchups of this season, the Bucks just absolutely murdered the Bulls. We saw Brooke Lopez destroy Nikola Vucevic. Um, and we saw the Bucks kind of give up in the last game of the season there against was at the Cavs. They gave up a ton of points to drop to three. Instead of winning and trying to get two and facing the Nets who beat the, the Cavs last night to phase, to set up a Celtics series, the Celtics won their last game to get to two. How did you feel about the Bucks kind of angling here to play the Bulls for a obviously easier first round matchup than they were going to have to play the Buck the the Nets? Were you for that? Is that so, or would you as the champs would you like well whatever bring on the bring on the Nets or something like that? Or do you like the the easier first
1: round matchup? I mean, it's hard not to like Bucks-Bulls matchup for Milwaukee. I mean, I, I think I think they slightly ducked Brooklyn. I do think it's worth noting they played starters like heavy minutes on both ends of a back-to-back in their second-to-last and third-to-last games, one of those against Detroit. So I don't think they were terrified of playing Brooklyn, and they still could have drawn Brooklyn if the Celtics lost in Memphis, although Memphis didn't play anyone, so it was pretty unlikely that they would. Um, but I think that there was a, a lot about rest as well as, you know, maybe a matchup thing. But um, I wouldn't have minded second, honestly. Um, you, Brooklyn is clearly harder. You don't know 100% you're going to get them in the first round. It did shake out that way. But the way this Nets team struggles to beat anybody lately, um, it wouldn't have been super surprising, right, if if they had somehow lost to the Cavs, the, the beat-up Cavs. Um, but, I, you know, it, again, like, it's, it's cool. We play in the Bulls. It's a nice little revenge series. This is actually – if they beat the Bulls, they'll only need to get revenge on one more team that they've lost to in the honest <laughs> era. And that's Toronto, which could also happen this year. A lot of people like Toronto as a dark horse. But so that, that's fun. I think it's nice that, you know, you can feel re- pretty, pretty good about getting in the second round, which obviously for like 20 years there, nearly the Bucks never did that. So that's still something that's good. Um, but I would have liked to. I would have liked more home court and, and for the second straight year, really being like, yeah, we're not afraid of anyone in the first round. But again, I I don't I'm not extra worried going in. I don't think it was particularly egregious, especially, you know, Luca gets that calf strain. I think in the fourth quarter of of their game, they really weren't playing for much at that point. Um, So I kind of get the decision of just like, you know what, we're going to be a top three seed no matter what. Let's just rest the guys and go into the first round healthy.
2: We should probably start with Giannis because he's obviously the best player on the floor in the series. In my opinion, he stamped himself as the best player in the world with his run to the championship last season. How have you seen Giannis's game improve this year? I think, you know, the free throw shooting is one thing that jumps out. We also saw him hit a step back game winning three to beat the Nets only about a month ago. And just looking at his statistical profile, I also noticed this was the highest free throw rate of his career. So as someone who's watched presumably every game of his career, uh, sort of how have you seen his skill set develop this season in particular? And sort of what makes this version of Giannis scarier than the one people were sort of questioning heading into the playoffs the last two, three seasons? Yeah, I
1: think uh, he, he never really was right. But I think he's even farther now from the run and dunk man or, or whatever James Harden would say. <laughs> um, those two hating each other is always brings me joy. I think it's cool. I think more NBA stars should just fairly openly hate each other. But um, yeah, I think the the shooting, especially honestly, the mid-range shooting has been more of a revelation than the three-point shooting. He's kind of for a, not a couple of years, maybe, but more than a year now, been like He'll take threes. He's confident in doing it. He'll make some big ones. He'll have some really good games from three. Every every time he does, you go, "Oh, is he up to like thirty five percent now?" And you look, and it's like still thirty two percent, thirty three percent, thirty one, whatever it is. You know, not not that league average mark that you'd really love to see him at. But I know his mid range shooting percentages. People have shared, and this was talked about on like the KD and JJ Redick podcast. That I know JJ Redick brought this up, but like that number has gone up a lot. And you've seen this season in particular after that playoff run, he's gotten a lot more comfortable with the step back, the turnaround jumpers, just pulling up too, like just dribbling up. And, you know, you see defenders drop back to cut him off from the rim. He's really comfortable pulling those up now. And it's just that's the, the shot where the three would be great. and it. I mean, still, when you see someone bite on a Giannis pump fake at three, it's still tremendous. Like, it's still like, you should never, ever do that, man. I get it. It's hard. It's hard. Just never. Just let him shoot it every time. Um, but the mid-range one is right, because if you if you need to give him the respect to guard him up close everywhere, just nobody can hang with him for a full game. Like, he's too fast. He's too strong. There's not really a defender with the combo of size, strength. I mean, maybe Kawhi, if he can get back healthy. But there's not many guys, right, who can really, really hang with him. So, I think that's been a big deal um getting more comfortable with that shot and making that shot. Also, passing. I think he's gotten better again as a passer this season. So, where you know, I think his best dunking year like attacking the rim year was probably that first MVP season when the Bucks won 60 and he just destroyed every rim. Now, I think that what we get even more excited about is He makes a great pass under the basket or like, you know, a crazy loop around over the arm three, right to Drew under the basket, stuff like that. I think he's become able to control games more with those kind of skills. And that's what's really, I mean, this year, all their fourth quarter success in the second half of the season, a lot of it just comes down to Giannis taking over a game, every possession, and there's just not much defenses can do about him anymore.
3: Yeah, I think we kind of saw that. I think it was the last Bulls matchup where Giannis like, was not trying to score at all, was looking to distribute, and the Bucks just were killing the Bulls offensively. So he was just getting great looks. Although, are you worried at all about Giannis' stopper, Patrick Williams, being back in the fold to slow, to slow him down? He just had a breakout game against the Timberwolves in a game that didn't mean anything, but <laughs> he did look great. I, I am very interested to see, I mean, just as a Bulls fan, Patrick Williams, we didn't have him basically all season. He, I'm assuming he will be getting the Giannis' Uh, assignment which is a, obviously a super tough ask for a 20 year old uh, just like I um, guess like what what do you make of I guess that matchup do you think there's uh, just I just it's just tough to say he's so young I was like how can Patrick yeah. Williams slow down Giannis he's not going to do it but like he has like a bit more size and like a bit more like just any of the other Bulls guys so what are you looking for out of that matchup and anything that Patrick Williams can like learn from the series going up against Giannis and something like that? It's it's, it's going to be interesting at least to see and that's like one I think main thing for Bulls fans to watch, especially if the series does get really ugly.
1: Yeah, no, I I think I think there's a lot that he could take away and I think he'll probably improve as the series goes. The hardest part for him, Patrick Williams, is. I mean, one, not getting discouraged. I think because, like, there's going to be plays where Giannis just wins no matter what and dunks on you, and there's just nothing you can do. (laughs) But I think what goes with that is learning how to defend without fouling. And you mentioned, I think, Ricky, the free throw rate has gone up this year. Um, I still don't think Giannis intentionally grifts much, but I think he's done it a little bit more. And in terms of trying to learn, you know, how to make the contact more obvious, how to sell it a little bit more, even though, you know, he's not one who will usually just like throw the arms up, he'll still try and make the bucket. But, I think he's he's leaning into that a little bit more, um, which is probably smart. Just looking around the league and and how stars operate and use that cachet with the officials. But I think if, you know if you're guarding Giannis, I think players like Pat will have a better shot than some teams will just try and throw like an average center. It's a terrible idea. Like DeAndre Ayton can do pretty well, but you know, no offense, Tristan Thompson, I just don't. Do <laughs> we it, we, saw tr- we
3: saw that we saw that tried uh, a couple games ago, and that did not go well. <laughs>
2: Please intend defense when you're talking about Tristan. <laughs> Sorry,
1: I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I noticed he hasn't been very popular with the last couple fan bases or it seems like rosters he's been on. Um, but it, that doesn't work. So I think doing like a, a stronger, rangier wing player is a better idea um, and just kind of try to get in clean stances, you know, absorb contact and make it obvious that you're taking contact, especially the one thing that Giannis gets, I'd say, whistled for the most is when he'll lead with the shoulder or elbow, maybe do a little hook. So I think trying to draw those kind of fouls or, or just at least being in that position enough to start getting that whistle over the course of the series. But I think you got to stay in front of him. If he shoots, you just accept it um, and try to absorb the contact. But, you know, do I expect him to slow down or stop Giannis? Obviously not. But, like, Grant Williams did a pretty good job in the Celtics game. I think, you know, you show him some contact up front early. You just have to be able to defend without fouling, which is so difficult with how fast he moves, how long those limbs are. But I think that's going to be the key for him to, you know, at least have a shot to slow him down a little bit.
2: I want to talk about Brooke Lopez a bit because for the majority of the season, the absence of Brooke Lopez was one reason why I thought, you know, maybe the Bucs are going to have a tough time repeating this year. He did not debut until March 14th, or he he didn't play. I think he, what, he played the first game of the year and then didn't play until. He played the first game against
1: Brooklyn and then, yeah, did not play until.
2: Yeah. And then he had the back injury. And kept him out for the vast majority of the season, only ended up playing 13 games. So I was very curious. You got a big man in his just about in his mid 30s, back injury, not a good combination historically. However, I think Bulls fans saw up close that Brooke Lopez can still be pretty damn good when he hung about 30 on Vooch a few weeks back. So how comfortable do you feel with Brooke Lopez? And let's not even talk so much about this matchup in particular because the bucks just have such a wide talent advantage, I think in this series, but like, you know, it's going to get harder after y'all stomp out the bulls in four or five. So <laughs> how good do you feel about Brooke Lopez over the course of this playoff run? Because, you know, he was, he was a pretty huge piece last year in, in a lot of different ways during their run to the finals.
1: Yeah, I think, um, on a team of guys who most Bucks fans would probably say are underappreciated, Brook might be the most, um, it, whether it's what he did in that playoff run um, in, in, over the course of a season. I think really it's it's become so obvious watching them with and without him for so long is, you know, they finished, I think, like 14th in defense and they were closer to top five or even higher in pretty much every other year where they had Bud and Brook Lopez. So that impact was really felt and what he provides on that back line and yeah, I think the Bulls game. There was a couple games. The first couple, he looked pretty good defensively. I think we had we tried to be so cautious with our expectations, right? Because like you mentioned, an older, legit seven footer, a heavy guy with a back problem sounds like such a terrible combo. And then you know, Serge Ibaka, similar age, had come back from back issues, does not look all that good um, from a Bucks perspective. Seeing him up close, I, I can vouch for that. But Brook has looked tremendous, and I think really. Milwaukee tends to be, outside of Giannis in the playoffs after the, the the knee injury versus Atlanta, tend to be pretty cautious with injuries. I still think that it's likely that Brooke could have played sooner, but they really wanted to keep him out and maximize the recovery time for him this year. And I think, you know, it took him actually longest to get comfortable. First, not fouling. He committed a ton of fouls in his first game or two back. And second, banging down low on the offensive end again. Like defensively, he moved pretty well from the jump when he came back. But offensively, he really just shot spot up threes for a while, and then you could see him get more comfortable, play more minutes, return to the starting lineup, and then he's dunking on teams like he's hitting those glacial speed drives, all, all the, the classic Brook Lopez stuff. And he's played; we've seen him play, I think, thirty minutes once or twice, at least twenty-two minutes in pretty much every game. He's looked really good. So you know, as as unbelievable as it sounds, and and that was what we were most concerned about too all year. It's like I don't know what they can do if Brook's not the same or if he doesn't get back this season. He looks great, um, and and I don't think he's really sat many games out except for, of course, the one nobody played. So it, it's been really encouraging, and I think this is a good matchup for him, it seems. I mean, Brook Vucevic, that's probably the Bulls one way in. Like is Vucevic having a really good shooting series and just providing all the defense you could ever expect and more from him? The, the hard part, of course, is you have to contend with Brook and also be that backline defense against Giannis and Chris and Drew on their matchups. Like, I don't envy any center who has to play the Bucks. Um, But I think Vucevic, even just offensively, if he can nail threes. We saw that Orlando series a couple of years ago. He he was able to score because the Bucks will drop. So there's a lot on his plate, I think. Probably way too much. But yeah, Brook has looked really good. So I don't, like I said, don't envy Vuce or any center who has to play against him.
3: Yeah, that, that last matchup. Brooke just absolutely destroyed. He, he also just like several post-ups. I remember Brooke just stuffed hook shots back in his face. I was like, Oh my, this is just depressing. This is awful. <laughs> the point about Vooch definitely like his three point shooting hits tank so much this season that really hurts. Cause I know the bucks, if there's like one thing they're susceptible to, it's three point shooting, mm-hmm. pulling Brooke out of the paint. Cause I know the bucks give up like nothing at the rim, nothing at the paint. So like if Vooch is not hitting jumpers. The bulls have no chance. Obviously they don't have much of a chance anyways. But they need desperately need Booch to be great, and like these last the last week or two of the season, he's been rough. Not rough. I like he look at his numbers, and like he averaged like seventeen and eleven, and like three, and like he's had his moments. He got his efficiency up a little bit, but like three point shooting going down. Obviously, the defense fell apart with no Lanz and Cruz. and then these like, some of these high profile matchups against the Bucks here. He was awful against the Heat. I think like all the Heat, all these like really tough teams, like he just has seemed to have wilted. So really rough. Hopefully Brooke Lopez does not completely emasculate him again throughout the series, but (laughs) just talking about the Bulls a little bit, shifting gears to them. What has been your take on them? Obviously the Bucks have murdered them for the last three, four years. Uh, Giannis has not lost to them since 2017. This season, the Two close games in the first couple games. We obviously had the infamous Grayson Allen game. We can talk yeah. about that a little later if we want. But and then the second game, the Bulls controlled a decent part of it and probably should have won that game and then fell apart down the stretch. And then the last two were just complete blowouts as just a part of the theme of this Bulls team falling apart down the stretcher. What have you made of this Bulls team? Is there anything that has you worried? Damar is obviously a great player, has had awesome season, but anything that gets you worried at all about maybe. The Bucks letting down, the Bulls taking advantage of anything that any Bucks weaknesses.
1: Yeah, I think what's what's interesting about the Bulls matchup is and this is probably going to be taken as sacrilege by Suns Twitter, but it's almost like going up against the baby Suns just because you've got the two guys who can really eat from mid range and even a little bit farther out. And that is tricky for the Bucs a little bit just because those are the shots they generally like to give up and they have to do stuff that they don't usually like to do. To take those shots away like they really you know bobby portis's role against phoenix was huge like perilously huge but it worked out you know brooke wasn't playing as much or closing some of those games i think obviously the diff there's a lot of differences between phoenix and chicago but one of them is just ayton ayton's role in that as like an elite lob man I, I think vooch probably not putting the same pressure on the bucks interior defense and i think we've seen like some of these games DeMar has been really good against the bucks like I was, I think it was the last time they played, like just going off about how great of a job Wes Matthews did defending him. And he did. And, you know, Wes defending without fouling is one of his specialties. That's huge. That's going to be huge in the series. I think DeMar had 40, right? Like it didn't really matter. They didn't slow yeah. him down that much. Um, and that shows you like, you know, that's going to be something where the Bucks probably are going to give up some huge games to to DeMar and to Levine if, if he's feeling all right. I know he hasn't really looked great for his standards since coming back, but – um, I, I think, you know, those two guys being red hot from mid-range and then, you know, the Bulls are gonna have to find some advantages on the margin. I think that's how they that's their formula for stealing games. But I think the Bucks perspective is gonna be like, we'll let DeMar shoot over Wes all day. We'll let Levine shoot over Drew. The guys will move around. I'm sure Drew will take some stints on DeMar as well. Um, but I don't think they're gonna abandon the drop as much as they can against Chicago because their preference is to defend like that. I mean, take away the rim, try to take away threes as much as possible. You know, if they're over helping, that could be the way the Bulls get into a game too. If, if you see that you know, sloppy help go toward DeMar, opens up a corner three, that's something the Bucks are going to have to watch for. Um, but I think, honestly, they're probably going to say, good luck DeMar and Zach, you know, shoot a bunch of mid-rangers that aren't wide open. We think we can outscore you enough on the other end for it not to matter if you're pretty hot. And I think it's probably against this team a better strategy than it is against Phoenix because I just don't know if there's going to be enough like other scoring or enough defense to make it so the Bulls end up outscoring, even if Damar and Zach have great games.
2: You took the next question right out of my mouth. I wanted to ask about the matchups who holiday guards in this series. Obviously both teams are going to throw multiple defenders at their other stars. Jason talked about Patrick Williams, primarily drawing the Giannis assignment. I think Giannis is going to see a lot of zone. I think Giannis is going to see some, a lot of Alex Caruso, some Javante green. It's going to be the same thing on the other side too, right? There's not going to be one guy specifically guarding DeMar or one guy specifically guarding Zach, but you just mentioned, uh, Wes Matthews drew the assignment on DeMar for long stretches in previous matchups in the regular season. Just sort of, how do you expect those defensive matchups to shake out in terms of, Who's spending the majority of their time on Demar and uh, who's drawing Zach?
1: Yeah, I, I think for a large part it will probably be um, the the um, Wes on Demar and Drew on Zach. They like Wes on stronger and bigger players a lot, and I think that's what he excels at. That and just you know the defending without fouling is really really a big part of his game. And you'll see like when he was guarding Demar, I remember he'd literally have his hands like behind his like uh, midsection when yep. he's going around screens just to make extra sure. there's not and It doesn't always work is the funny part, but just to make extra sure there's not going to be a whistle there. So, you know, I think that's going to be the default. I think Chris will get some shifts on those guys as well. Um, I would expect not to see Giannis as much. We'll see what they do. You know, if the Bulls go very small where DeMar kind of plays the four, I still don't think they would put Giannis on him. I think they're more comfortable to have him on – whether it's even Caruso, right? Anyone off ball where he can do that ranging thing. Um, but I think you know they're they're gonna hide a little bit some of these guys. Like I don't think we'll see Grayson Allen ever purposefully matched up with Levine. I think they're gonna rotate the alignments so you can have Chris, Drew, Wes Matthews, maybe a little bit of Pat Connaughton. I think probably not that not 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 that much of him either. Um, and George Hill, if he's healthy, that's kind of a question for the Bucs is. That's the one injury thing right now, The outside uh, of DeAndre Bembry, who, of course, they waived, unfortunately. But, you know, George Hill's got some neck issues. Now he's got some back spasms. So if Javon Carter plays, I think you could see him on Levine. Uh, I don't think as much on DeRozan. I, Javon is strong, really capable defender, just small, right? So I think that's probably giving DeMar a little bit too much of an easy uh, mid-range shot if, if Javon can't poke the ball out on the way up. But I think on on Levine, they they might try that. I know Zach's not tiny either, but um, I, I think they like to throw defenders in waves typically, especially against like the premier offensive players. But they're probably relatively happy with the matchups here. The one thing I could see is like, if West isn't having a great offensive game, they may toggle Drew over to DeMar and then bring in another guard to guard Zach.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
3: Interesting. Yeah. I'm just thinking going through these matchups and we're talking about, like you mentioned, Giannis ranging the bulls, just like they don't, especially with Lonzo out and, and Lonzo being out as such a killer in general, but obviously in this series too, because talking about the bucks sometimes give up a lot of threes, the bulls have been like lowest volume three point shooting team. And just like, they have so many guys that they're out there that you can range off of. And I feel like that's going to be a problem. You just stick Giannis on. Whether it's Pat, Javante Green, he's just not going to guard them, and he's just going to wait for it. To just clog all lanes. Like the Bulls are going to have to figure out a way. Somebody's going to have to hit some outside shots. was like you mentioned, Demar goes off from mid range. Last game, Demar shot like seventy percent, scored forty points, and the Bucks won by thirty. Uh, they need Zach obviously to be better. They're going to need to find some other guys to hit some shots. Whether it's Kobe White, whether Pat can keep hitting shots, or even if Javante, if he's going to be left wide open. They need to hit some outside shots because I feel like in almost all these games, the Bulls have just not shot all that. I mean, that first matchup was like 88-84 or something like both teams shot really poorly. But like if Giannis is going to be ranging off these guys and if they're going to whatever playing straight up on tomorrow and sack, like or even if they start sending guys at tomorrow and sack, they someone needs to hit a damn three-point shot. And I'm just like with Lonzo... No Lonzo just killed this team so much. Not that the Bulls would be, they'd be still a huge underdog here without Lonzo, but it's just just so brutal We say just don't get up threes. It's just a mid-range fest. And while that can't can't be good in the playoffs, like you mentioned, like like a Suns light, Suns also have dudes who will rain threes on you and the Bulls do not. And that's just like, I feel like a huge part of the series, especially if Giannis is just able to range off guys and be protecting the rim and doing that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Bucs, the way they tilt the math right by the way they play defense and the way they do all off the paint, it's really hard if they're able to do that against you. And, and we've seen they kind of can against the Bulls. Again, we'll see if, if Vucevic can find that yeah. three-point shooting for him. They could help tilt that back a little bit. But if they're able to dominate the paint as they typically do, it's so hard to beat the Bucs if you're not outscoring them from three just because like mid-range shots, even if you're on that 70% clip, it's really hard to outscore like shots at the rim and and the Bucks threes as you know they're generating a little less now I think with Wes and and Brook starting over Bobby and and Grayson but those guys will still see some minutes and they still have some good shooters like when Pat counted in is hot it's like the little things like that like Pat hits four threes or three threes even it's like man it's 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 so hard to outscore the Bucks when they've got stuff like that plus the the paint domination too.
2: Safe to say the. Bucks entering the playoffs have championship or bust aspirations. Anything less than a title is going to count as a disappointment. So what is your biggest concern for the team in terms of their ability to win the championship this year?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's easy to just try and pick one between offense or defense generally for the Bucks. And I think I still am pretty confident in the offense. Even going with West as a starter, you obviously lose some, some dy- dy- dynamism there. Um, but I, I think defensively it'll just be – even even post-break, they haven't had a great defense and I think they believe – we've seen stretches where they're amazing, but it just hasn't been whole games. So I think for the Bucks, their biggest concern is probably going to be being able to defend at that championship level um, effort or not championship level, I guess just works by itself – for enough of a series and they just haven't done that very consistently this season um again 14th in defensive rating is really bad for the bucks it's great to see the offense go up is the
3: third quarter thing still a thing i meant to look this up i know they were like through a good portion of the year like they were good defensively in like every quarter And then the third quarter, they're like worse than the league. Has that still been a trend?
1: Yeah, it's been here and there. Um, I think they actually won it against the Cavs, which was hilarious, but that wasn't a real (laughs) game anyway. Um, And like the the Pistons, they did really well, right? I think the Celtics, I don't remember. They might have lost it. Um, But like Philly, it was bad the last Philly game. So, yeah, it has been. And that's one where, you know, the team has talked about it. They're very aware of it. I don't know what the answer actually is besides just – like playing better, it doesn't seem like they're getting super out schemed in third quarters. I think some of it may be, and I think this is probably their theory: is that it's just like they're kind of sick of playing some of these games over this long season. They're ready for the playoffs, but that's going to be the big. You know, everyone hates the term "flipping the switch," but is it is that going to be what their defense is like? Is it just great throughout games for most of the games again, outside of some open threes, which they're always going to concede? Or are we just going to see these lapses too repeatedly, which then I think makes them a lot more beatable? So it'll be interesting to see even in this series, right? Like, are they going to let Chicago go on some runs where they're just getting out-efforted a lot of the time? Or are we fully locked in now and, and it's just good to go? And I fear there will be some, but I think limiting those and playing strong defense all the way through games is probably what they need to do the most consistently.
2: So as a follow-up to that, obviously Giannis is an absolutely elite defender, might win defensive player of the year. Drew Holiday is like superhuman defensively, the best defensive guard of his generation. So when you talk about the concerns of the defense, I'm curious, what do you think the weak spots are? Is it the scheme? Uh, You know, when you project forward, maybe a potential matchup with Phoenix, Obviously, they have the two mid-range assassins. You talked about the Bulls kind of being built in a similar manner. I agree with that. You know, is it the scheme that worries you? Is it like, you know, the presence of Grayson Allen? Is it Middleton's defense? Like, where do you feel like is the weak spot in Milwaukee's defense this year, potentially?
1: Yeah, I think Chris's defense has been pretty bad for a lot of the year. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that's going to turn around in the playoffs, but I just think it really felt like a mail-in season from Chris. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. You know, I'm hoping that that's not just Chris now, um, but he was not the, the same player that we saw in the playoffs, or I'd say even last regular seasons. Um, and it, it was funny that he got the All Star nod. He absolutely shouldn't have. It should have been Drews, <laughs> but uh, positional stuff, I guess. Um, but yeah, seeing Chris, you know, if he's deceived defensively all playoffs, which again I don't expect that would be an issue. I think they still really struggle even in drop, but especially when they're not in drop of like how to send help. Right. They send really sloppy help at times and either it's too obvious or it's too close and it gives up a shot right away, or it just doesn't get there in time or or they break down, you know, rotating or stuff like that. And it's frustrating because sometimes you'll see it's like super crisp there at there to the, to the guy before the passes, everything else. But sometimes there's just like these open threes that even for the Bucks that it doesn't have to be that open, even the way they like to play. Right. So Um, I I think that's one of the big ones. And I know there's been PJ Tucker in the last playoffs was saying, like, don't help. Don't help on KD. Like, I'll make him work, but we can't leave these shooters open. And it sounds insane, but I think there's some truth to that. I don't think they should never send help, but I do think they need to be smarter about it. And I think think it was the last Nets game Giannis helps on KD to force overtime, and it was perfect. Like, he didn't go until the last second. He contested the shot, didn't leave a wide open pass. It's got to be more crisp like that, and I think their rotations and this is, you know, they're used to just sticking and drop and not having to move around. I think the whole court as much. That's something that was kind of a work in progress this year, and and that could be something that again comes to bite them in the playoffs.
3: As this is we're talking about Bulls Bucks here, We've got to ask about Bobby Portis, uh, former Bull first round pick. I came to not really appreciate or like Bobby much just because. He was okay. He had his moments, but I feel like he was always kind of loud without doing anything and just not being that good. That has turned out to be like great for the Bucs. Energy guy. We saw him become a playoff hero last season. How much has Bobby's play just like surprised you? What kind of role will he be playing here in the series and in the playoffs? Because he said he's become kind of a cult hero in Milwaukee. Yeah,
1: he's he's a cult hero. If he doesn't have a key to the city, he he will soon. But I think he's also become like and not to do like a a heat culture bit or whatever, but he's become a really big culture guy for the Bucs, I think, because they don't have that many talkers in general. Um, There's just not that much that gets out. But like Bobby getting ahead of even being announced that he wasn't starting anymore and immediately being like, I'm totally fine with not starting, you know, not playing in that Brooklyn series before they won a championship together. And he's immediately like, I don't care. Like I'll do I'll play whatever. It doesn't matter. All of that stuff that, you know, maybe that wasn't the Bobby that you guys got in Chicago when he was fresh drafted and on his first contract. But that's who he's been the whole time as a buck. And I think that kind of stuff is really important. And that's probably why, you know, you see him getting offered a deal and P.J. Tucker not. Not that P.J. wasn't that. But I think if Bobby isn't that kind of a guy and that kind of an important figure for their locker room, you know, I I think they probably don't um, strive to keep him uh, as a priority this past offseason. But offensively, clearly that's where a lot of his strength is, um hitting those threes, the offensive rebounding, scoring at the rim, you know, probably too many mid-range jumpers off the bounce, but you know, you win some, you lose some, double-edged sword, all that stuff. I think defensively, they've he's gotten a little better. They've gotten better at knowing what to do with him. Earlier, they would try to drop with him. It just doesn't work. He can't do it. He can't man the 5. I mean, I was gonna say like Brook, but he's just not a defensive center. Yeah. But now they switch more, they hedge more. He he can last. He's not great. He's gonna get cooked sometimes, but he'll fight out there and and he's gonna try. So I think they're they're able to hide that that side of the ball, hide him on that side of the ball better. Um, and the the energy is huge for a team that can get stale. Um, that has some more stoic figures. I would say it's nice to see him get out there when they're a little a little dry and, and just like you know throw down a crazy dunk and freak out or even like he'll do it on a tip in put back. Like he doesn't really care as long as it's a big moment in the game. So yeah, he's, he's been awesome to have and, you know, really hoping that he can continue to be uh, an every game player this playoffs, uh, which he wasn't last time. And I'm pretty confident he will be, but you never know.
2: Dante DiVincenzo traded at the trade deadline. Curious what you think about the wing depth this year compared to last season. You still got Pat around. Wes uh, has been playing well a little bit down the stretch. And then you got Satan himself, Grayson Allen, filling (laughs) in this year. And, you know, being a good three-point shooter, probably having maybe the best season of his career and a role very much tailored for his skill set. So just, you know, what do you think about sort of the wing depth this year and how that will be tested in the postseason?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know, it, it's solid enough. Uh, I would be a little distraught, and I'm not over it. But I would be a little distraught over the Dante trade if he looked like the Dante DiVincenzo of last season, and he just didn't. Like it, the net rating with him on the court for the uh, for the Bucks portion of his season, terrible. Like they got they ended up getting bombed at his minutes. He started out okay. He was more of a bench role um, and just getting his feet wet and everything, but. The, the shot wasn't there. He's just such a, an aggressive player, sometimes to the team's detriment, like in going for steals or, you know, the shots he'll take, the passes he'll throw. Always seemed like either he or the Bucks or both wanted him to be more of a combo guard, and he just wasn't. Like, I think calling him a wing is is the most accurate to what he does well. Um, but it, defensively, it does hurt, and it especially hurt when Pat gets hurt, you know, right after the trade. Now that he's back, certainly feel better. I think they're deep enough, especially because – You know, they didn't have him for most of the playoff run last year. So comparing this roster of wings to the ones that actually played in the second, third and fourth rounds, I think they're deeper. Um, I, I think Wes has a lower floor than Dante does game to game, not just like overall in their career arcs, but is so much more steady and reliable. And that's really what they need out of that fifth spot. They don't need, you know, a big time gambler and freelancer to be the fifth starter or, you know, the bench wing or whatever. So I think losing him defensively hurts, but they're OK because they did add West and he's really come through for them. And then Grayson Allen gives you just a much more consistent version of, of what Dante does offensively uh, and more efficient, even though he has some really quiet games. I think that's why he's not starting anymore is he was just so much of an afterthought when the big three is out there together for the Bucks that they they just realized, you know what? Let's take the defense, even if teams are going to respect West less from the perimeter. If Dante's if Grayson's not shooting anyway, what does it really matter, right? Like how much does that gravity matter? So that's an important question. It's not like a settled matter, I think, in the org, maybe, and certainly within Bucks Twitter, even on you know, our own podcast network, we argue about who should start or, or what the role should be for those two. But I, I think depth-wise, they're okay. It's just going to be difficult to figure out who plays where, how much, with who. With I think Wes, who is mostly defensive, Grayson, who's mostly offensive, but then you've got Pat there, who really plays both ways. I think they're really comfortable with his role.
3: Now that we've brought up Grayson again, are you expecting any uh, fireworks here from all the nonsense? The Bulls have fouled him pretty hard a couple times since the initial foul, uh, and also just what did well, did you think that suspension was right? What did you make of all that the Caruso nonsense? Obviously, that was. Bulls fans were very angry at the time and still kind of angry. And Grayson Allen is just a very unlikable yeah. character from his Duke days. Uh, you expecting anything else to go on here? Any fireworks? I don't
1: know. I <laughs> mean, maybe by the end of the series, uh, right? Because if, if it is frustrating for the Bulls, as I think most yeah. people expect. I mean, Grayson's an easy guy to be frustrated at. Um, I, I thought the suspension was warranted. I thought it was a dangerous play. Um, I, I didn't think he was trying to hurt Caruso necessarily but I did think like there's just not a place in the NBA for even incidentally throwing a guy down in midair. It's just such a dangerous thing. So um, – and Bucks fans have been upset about the suspension. Everyone – Twitter is just upset constantly. I don't think there's anything that can true. happen where <laughs> people won't be upset. Um, but I, I certainly get it from the Bulls' side. Losing Caruso ended up being a big blow um, clearly because he's been so good for them. But Yeah, I I think, um, you know, I I just hope it doesn't become too much of a storyline just because I'd love to focus on the basketball with these teams. Uh, I'm sure it probably will. I'm sure it will at some point, no matter what happens. Um, I I hope that the Bulls have kind of gotten it out of their system. Vooch got him pretty good in in the last (laughs) game. Um, I don't know if Tristan Thompson has yet. I know he's, I think, said the most about it. Grayson (laughs) blocking him was a personal highlight of their last game for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope it's mostly deaded out by now. I mean, they, they hit him back a couple of times. I, I feel like should be mostly square, especially Caruso is back now. Um, but yeah, I would maybe think toward the end of a series that could be a, a frustration foul. He's a pretty logical target.
3: Yeah. I'm assuming Bulls fans when it's whatever, a three Oh series three one or something, they're just gonna be co- going for blood for Grayson Allen. Like I said, I, yeah. as much as I dislike Grayson Allen, obviously I don't want the bull to try to hurt him, foul him hard. Send him a message, whatever, again, but just, no, I definitely don't want the to grace like, and get rule. anything stupid and make, and make that a bigger story than what's going on in the court, like he said.
2: Should we do some predictions here? Let's do it. Yeah, let's wrap up with some predictions. So the big question, prediction-wise, coming into this series from a Bulls fan <laughs> is, can the Bulls take one, or is it going to be a clean sweep? My head tells me Milwaukee sweep. My heart says DeMar's going to get us one. So I'm going to go Bucks and five. Same. I'm
3: going gentlemen sweep. Even though, like, would it surprise me if the Bucks come out and win every game by 20 points? Absolutely not. Uh, because uh, I mentioned this in the last pod. I was talking to my friend Chris. I was like, who, like, what going into the series? Like, what is the over under on like the point differential? And I was like, you know, probably like 59 and a half, maybe 69 and a half. Like, just assuming the Bucks are going to have a couple of huge blowouts here. But and I'm hoping, hoping that the Bulls can at least. Keep mostly close, and then maybe get one. Get us a gentleman sweep. I can accept that. Don't just don't want them to get their ass blown every game. So same. I am also going Bucks and five gentleman sweep. They get one game in Chicago, where maybe the Bucks shoot poorly from three, maybe have a letdown game, and tomorrow has one big moment at the United Center, and that's probably the best case scenario. Maybe, who knows? Maybe. Some of the last, like Bucks, maybe they struggle. Like they had their struggles in recent playoff runs, like earlier, where they kind of just fucked around. Still, really not expecting that. The Bulls just aren't good enough. They're not healthy enough to, I think, really put a scare in the Bucks. But just give me one, damn it! All I want is one game.
1: They uh, they never led a series after 48 minutes last time, so there there is evidence to support that they swept the Heat, but they went to overtime game one. Um, I'm gonna go Bucks in four, which is actually now controversial amongst Bucks Twitter. Because the first three or four times have been announced, and there's a noon game. I think it's on Sunday in Chicago. Yes. And Giannis famously loves his pregame nap and does not play as well when he does not get his pregame nap. And this is, you know, not outdated. They played the Mavericks. I think it was also a noon game, and Giannis did not have a good game against Dallas. In fairness, Chris sold really hard, and, and no Buck played all that well. Um, but the noon game thing, I think that's the one that. So now everyone's saying, okay, Bucks in five, they'll win it in five. They're going to lose the the noon game. I'll, I'll be bold and say Bucks in 4. They find a way even with cranky Giannis not getting his uh, his pregame nap.
3: That, that's like a perfect gentleman sweep game. It 3-0 is. series lead, game 4 at noon, a, a matinee Sunday game. Bucks come out and sleepwalk through it and the Bulls get one and then game 5 back in Milwaukee turns into like a a, 50, a 54 point game or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's honestly I could possibly see it going like that. We'll see. Said it would not surprise me if the Bucs come out and just blow their doors off all four games. And hoping not because it would be such a disappointment for this bull season to end like that, just because they really were a fun story, really good team. The first 70% of the season, they were 39 and 21. So the comeback, these last whatever 20 plus games just get smoked routinely by the Bucks and by every other good team out there. Like I don't have the stat in front of me now against the top three or top four, or whatever. But it's just so crazy bad, yeah. how bad they are. I think they got. I think it's like one Celtics win, and that was in like October when the Celtics were a hot, hot mess. So like it's there is no reason to think the Bulls really can win one game. But I'm just going with one just for the hell of it. I because mean, I'm
1: a, Demar rules. Demar, I yeah, really DeMar do like rules. Yeah, Demar rules. There you go. Uh, I would like to see a Demar masterclass or two, not at the expense yeah. of the Bucks too much. Um, but he is such a fun player to watch, and, and such a master of his craft. So yeah, I could see you know get get the hot shooting plus a great Demar game. You never know.
3: Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we I we should probably wrap it up here. I will say I, I did just start reading a uh, Fader's Giannis book. Probably a terrible time to start reading that right as the Bulls are about to get smoked by the Honest. I pointed this out on Twitter though yesterday. I saw that she that he had said like when he was a kid he saw like a Bulls jersey in the uh, in a, like a shop in Greece. He's like I'm gonna be wearing one of those in the future, I'm like, Giannis, you had to go to a division <laughs> rival. Instead of going to the Bulls, you're going to a division rival, absolutely murdering us every time you play. I was like, you, it just pains me. Uh, Because, again, the Bulls have not beat him since 2017. The Bulls got him first early in his career, but now he's arguably the best player in the world and just absolutely destroys them. We'll probably destroy the Bulls in this series, but as a Greek myself, I love Giannis. I love your podcast name, euro I love Euro. I think the Bulls the people in Chicago need to like just get beef Giannis up on some Euro. Maybe he'll get fat <laughs> yeah. and help him lose a game or two. Uh, but yeah, love Giannis. He's fun. It's going to be tough to root against him. I'll be rooting for him once the books probably lose, or once they blow out the bulls here. But uh, that book has been great so far, by the way. Shout out to Mirren for awesome work. Can't wait to finish that up. But hopefully the series will be exciting. Like I said, I'm not really expecting much here, but uh, this has been a lot of fun doing this. This preview has been great. Uh, Ty, if you want to, whatever, hype up your pod and all that good stuff, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Eurostep Podcast Network. Uh, we've got ourselves another Bucks pod on the same feed. So check that out wherever you listen to the great cash considerations. After you, if you haven't already rated or reviewed that that, that podcast, do so right away. Five stars. And then if you'd like to, Eurostep Podcast Network. We're also on YouTube if you listen to Pods there. On Twitter at Ty Windish, uh, I'm the loud, annoying Bucks fan. So I totally get it. if you if you did like this you want to wait to potentially follow until after the series, totally understand that. Although I will say I'm not really in the market of slandering the Bulls too much. I'm much more of a always talk up the teams the Bucks beat because it makes them look better. So I'm going to be talking a lot about how great De- DeMar is for the next few days. So I'm looking forward to that.
3: There you go. Welcome to the DeMar zone. Hopefully we get a few good moments there. Yeah, thank you for joining. This was awesome, Ty. This is good stuff. Probably will be more fun than the series actually goes. For us, you'll probably have a great time, but uh, uh, yeah, go check out Eurostep. As for us, as always, too, cash considerations. And shout out to the Blue Wire Network. We got so many great pods here at the Blue Wire Network. Please go check them out with the playoffs starting. We had a couple great play-in games last night. The Nuts advancing and then the Timberwolves advancing. A lot A of, lot of drama there with Patrick Beverly with glue lady. Uh, That was just some goofy (laughs) stuff going on. Great way to start the NBA postseason. Hopefully, this will be a really fun postseason. Good luck to your bucks. Uh, Like I said, don't kill us by too much. And uh, as always, to everybody at Cash here, uh, please do rate and review us. As Ty said, please give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. So we got game one is on what about Saturday, Sunday, 530 Central Time. And then we got a couple of days off then until game two. I think it's, I think Wednesday, it's like Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks again, Ty, for joining us. We will talk to everybody next time. Hopefully we get a competitive, somewhat competitive series. Take it easy.